Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 1194, air date March 20th, 2023. For President 2024 campaign followed immediately by our regular open house meeting for the Truth Freedom Health Movement. So if you signed up for either one of those events that brought you here tonight, you're in the right place. My name is John Medler. I'm a Truth Freedom Health educator and a director for the New England region of Dr. Shiva for President 2024 campaign. And I have the pleasure of being your master of ceremonies tonight and a technical producer for the live stream tonight. Our agenda tonight will be the following. Dr. Shiva is going to be conducting his first healthcare town hall event. The topic of tonight is going to be how to strengthen your immune system. You see, if you listen to Republicans and Democrats debate about healthcare, one side likes an overly complicated healthcare system where big hospitals and insurance companies and big pharma companies and GPOs and all those big corporate interests get to saddle you with a million bucks worth of debt every time you get a paper cut. And that that's what we have here in the United States. And there's a million big corporate interests standing between you and your healthcare provider. And even the doctors are just become just become data entry specialists, input, output. You have this disease, you take this drug, and hopefully your increasingly expensive health insurance will pay for it. And on the other side of things, we have an equally overcomplicated system, this time all run under government like they do up in Canada. Under that system, once the bureaucratic bean counters have determined you're no longer worth extracting tax dollars from, the only health care they'll pay for you is to off yourself. I'm not even joking. There actually had a huge scandal up in Canada not too long ago where military veterans were calling up the Canadian VA, asking them for assistance with PTSD and other service-related ailments. And the response from the government workers was literally to offer them medical assistance in dying. But not every state-run healthcare system works like that. The UK and their National Health Service will just put you on a waiting list until you die. And so don't even waste taxpayer money on euthanizing, the, on euthanizing the taxpayers. Just let them rot. And then complain that the other party in government didn't do enough to fix this or that. Our healthcare policy for this campaign, as Dr. Shiva is going to show you, is to teach you how to take better care of your health. And we're going to teach your doctors what they never learned in medical school. We're going to work towards building a healthy society that is strong enough to fight for freedom and truth again. And we're not going to wait to get into office because we need that now. That's what we mean when we say we need a bottoms-up movement. We mean it's time to get people moving off the couches, off their butts, get outside, touch grass, get some vitamin D, eat better, live better, build community, and organize with your neighbors. People on the internet love to fantasize about waiting until the system falls and then rebuild society from the ashes. But I've got news for you. The conditions you see deteriorating around you are not an accident, as Dr. Shiva revealed yesterday with, the, with that graph, which we'll probably show you again. It has happened because those in power do not care about you, and they are happy to see you go down with the ship while they all have golden parachutes. They get the best health care. They get the best food. They get all the money. They get to live in gated communities with heavily armed private security. They do not care how bad things get for you. They will happily keep playing the left and the right black and white against each other, so we tear each other to pieces until they are the only ones left. Their system will not collapse for them, only for you. We cannot wait for a collapse to rebuild society. That is why, and we say this over and over, it takes a movement 
of people building a new society that will outlast the collapsing one. Because again, they don't care about you. We have to build this ourselves. And so to make sure that you have the strength to fight for truth and freedom by taking good care of your health, starting by strengthening your immune system, I give you the world's foremost health expert in the immune system, Dr. Shiva Ayadure. All right, John, thank you. All right, everyone, welcome. Uh, this is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Um, this is our first town hall, and we'll be doing a series of them every Thursdays at 8 p.m. We will be doing town halls. Uh, today's town hall is uh, living and breathing our healthcare platform. Um, most of the candidates out there, the presidential candidates, I would say um, all of them have no experience in health. None of them have any experience in taking care of their health. They don't have any engineering experience, scientific experience. In fact, they have no experience at all. When was the last time you saw a presidential candidate actually do a town hall and in the next hour, you're going to actually learn how to strengthen your immune system. Our entire platform for healthcare is very simple. Strengthen your immune system. Everything else is bullshit. And that's what's been going on for the last at least 60 years. From the Kennedys to the Reagans to the Bushes to the Obamas to the Clintons to the Bidens to the Trumps, there has been actually no healthcare taking place. And as John referred... Yesterday, I shared a very, very important graph. And this singular graph will define this campaign. This singular graph will define every policy in action that we will be doing from now until we win in 2024. So this is not going to be, well, elect me to office, and then you will see some change occur. The change is going to occur now. There is no the end justifies the means. The reality is the means and the ends are the same. As this campaign moves forward, with all of you involved, this campaign is not me. Our campaign is based on you. You will learn every day, every week, that you are the agent of change, that you must get off your butts, that you must start stop outsourcing your future to any of these elites. Because when you look at the facts, the elites are actually killing you, your families, and your children faster and sooner. And this is not some hyperbolic statement. It is just the facts, and it is by design that they are doing this. But today, on this town hall, you will learn how to fight back. You will learn, actually, how to strengthen your immune system. You will understand what is the immune system from an MIT PhD systems biologist, not from some flunky who is just there to get your donations. In fact, we don't want any money from you for this talk. We didn't charge any entry fees, did we, Miles? Did we, Jason? When you have a guy with a billion dollar trust fund, this guy, Bobby Kennedy, renting out the Park Plaza, I'm surprised he didn't go down to Roxbury. He'd probably do that for a show after I tell him. And he's charging people five bucks to come in. These are the kinds of scumbags these people are. And that is a highly technical biological term that I refer to them, all right? Um, but today we're gonna start learning about what is the immune system. And you have to understand that these solutions we've had for a long time, we've been deploying them. Our movement for truth, freedom, health saved millions and millions of people's lives. Kennedy didn't do it. Trump didn't do it. None of these other flunkies did it. Kamala Harris didn't do it. AOC didn't do it. Bernie Sanders didn't do it. We did it. And you can talk to millions of people, hundreds of millions of people across the world. So we're running for president. And I say we. We are running for president. Our movement is running for president. And as a part of that running for president, we're gonna help people along the way because the slogan of our campaign is service is citizenship. 
We're going to create an environment that all of you can serve here and now, not sit on the sidelines, not do bread and circus. That's what they want. So let me begin by jumping right in. As John shared, um, just want to make sure everything's coming through, John. Um, the town hall, we're going to have series. There's going to be six of them, which will rotate. The town hall series today is on healthcare. Again, I could talk to you about GPOs. I could talk to you about PBMs. I could talk to you about DPC and all. I've already done videos. So I could do analysis, paralysis all day long and give you deep analysis, systems analysis, which we've done for the last three, four years. But today we're going to talk about you. What can you do to strengthen your immune system? But before you can talk about that, you need to understand the immune system. And before we can get there, you probably need to make sure that I, you have some faith in what I'm saying. So I'm going to walk you through my credibility and my credentials. You know, most of these guys, these other presidential candidates, their credentials are actually not much, but they beef up something that they've never done. But you're going to hear first my credentials in this field, which is in the field of healthcare. So let me just begin. Um, first of all, you see around me this, uh, around the head, this little circle. Um, those are the six major solutions we're going to go after. But today we're focused on healthcare. So let me begin. Uh, again, uh, this is Dr. Shiva Idre. Those of you joining new, I'm running, uh, running for president in 2024. We are running as independents. And independent means that we're not supporting either wing of the establishment. We're running on our own as independents, and we, we will uh, galvanize all of you to support us getting on the ballot. But most importantly, we're going to galvanize you to go door to door to offer people the solution. When you go door to door, you can invite people, hey, come next Thursday, you're going to learn how to take care of your immune system. Come next Thursday, you're going to learn how to uh, shop for good foods in your local community. You know, food is medicine. You're going to learn how to uh, go through and understand how you can support your ch child to get smarter. You're going to learn how to maintain a balance sheet, a, a checkbook, basic stuff we're going to teach people because whether it's healthcare, economy, innovation, it starts with the individual. So this graph is the most compelling graph. None of the other candidates will even talk about this graph. And if they do, it will be to copycat us and try to essentially plagiarize it and forget about the real essence of it. But we're not going to let that essence get away. This graph says it all. What do you see in this graph? And as I reviewed yesterday, you see, first of all, a bunch of small gray lines. Those individual gray lines on this graph represent the life expectancy rate of the citizenry of those countries from Japan to Germany, et cetera. The United States is shown in red here. On the x-axis, you'll notice that we see the years starting from 1980 all the way to 2020, uh, you know, to 2021. And then you see the y-axis go from 74 years all the way up to 84 years, okay, 86 years, actually. Now, if you take all those gray lines, including the United States, what do you see? You see a very um, uh, solid gray line. That solid gray line is the averaging of all of those industrialized nations' average life expectancy rate, okay, per year. And what do you see from 1980 to, to uh, 2020, you notice they're going up in a beautiful, essentially about, I would say, maybe a 50, 70, uh, 70 degree angle. What do you see in this graph when it comes to the United States? You see a collapse. You see literally a collapse. And by the way, this is not because of COVID. This starts in 2019. In fact, it starts in 2014. The decline. 
But more importantly, when you really look at this graph, you got to go back to 1980. If you look very closely at this area of the graph here, in 1980, 81, 82, the United States was actually climbing in parallel to the rest of the industrialized nations. But around 19, right here, 1983, 1984, it looks like, interestingly, very Orwellian, right? In 1984, you can see it starts going in this completely deviated direction. Very different than all the other industrialized nations. And as I said, it's black and white. As I said earlier, it's actually green and blue here. You can see it very clearly. The United States, this is what you call uh, when a system is collapsing. This system is collapsing. In fact, it has collapsed. Let me repeat this again, ladies and gentlemen. The United States system of health has collapsed. And who is responsible for this? Who is responsible for this collapse? You know who's responsible? Every person who's part of the elite, Democrats, Republicans, celebrities, Hollywood, all these people in academia, media, they're all responsible. They've been all part of this collapse. And if you're hearing this, just think about what I'm saying and let it sink in. All of these people are responsible for this collapse. And if you want to really let it sink in, think about you're running an organization or a company. And let's say year over year over year, you look at the results of your management and they're going down and down and down. What are you going to do? Of course, you fire them, you get rid of them. And what's really fascinating is that over this period between 1980 to 2020, as the health of the American public is collapsing relative to the rest of the industrialized nations, there's also been a brainwashing that has gone on by all the scumbags who control Hollywood, political theater. It's like WWE. All of these people control all of these elites have been brainwashing people to bow down to the elites. It's fascinating. After yesterday's conversation here, after our launch of our campaign, I expose Robert F. F and Kennedy. Should call him, you know, this curse words because these people are completely manipulating you. And why do I say that? Robert Kennedy and his entire family have been behind this collapse. Go back to 1960. It was his brother, John Kennedy, who's made to be some martyr and made to be some great person. He was an imperialist. He's the one who first invaded Vietnam. He's the one who invaded Cuba, created all this anti-communist rhetoric. It was under the Kennedy administration, if you read it very carefully, they started creating tax havens for the rich. It was under the Kennedy administration that we created the 1962 Vaccination Act. It was the Kennedy, the other Kennedy, Ted Kennedy, who killed a woman here in Cambridge, I mean, in Chappaquiddick and got away with it. Ted Kennedy, He's the one who spearheaded the 1986 vaccine injury program, which made it so big pharma could not be sued. And then you have this other Kennedy whose brain is actually fried. And I'll share with you some emails where he shares my brain is elastic with insiders who work for him and who are now coming out to whistleblow on him. This guy cannot think. I put out the video where he clearly says, I believe in full vaccination of all Americans. People are like, oh, what did he say after the video? Well, he goes on to say, after this video, he vaccinated all of his kids, but he says everything's corrupt. Now think about what this guy did. He knows things are corrupt, but he still vaccinated all his kids. Can you believe this? That's in 2015 when he put out that video. And then in 2016, he endorsed Hillary Clinton for the third time, who's pro-vaccine mandate and pro-Monsanto queen. 
And then in 2020, he came here and he raised money for his nephew, Joe Kennedy, who's also rapidly pro-vaccine mandate. Either this guy is completely a charlatan or his brain is fried. If you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, it's probably the latter. But I think it's a mixture of both. But these are the kinds of people who have caused this collapse. This collapse has been caused by the elites. This collapse has been caused by people who do not care for the suffering of the American people. And families are suffering in this country. Everyday working people are suffering. And the only people who are going to fight for them is this movement, the, the Dr. Shiva for President Truth, Freedom and Health movement, period. We need drastic change for these kinds of devastating results. You need a complete management overhaul. Any academic, any person in the media, all these people are responsible for this. All right, but today we're gonna to talk about a solution. Again, I want you to be clear, this is what they've delivered. And what is behind that line, behind that red line, if I take a systems approach, I'll walk you through my credentials as a system scientist, but in system science, we don't just point to any one thing. It's not any one thing, it's a multi-systems problem. In our uh, town hall earlier this morning, there's a woman saying, yeah, it's the vaccines, it's the vaccines, it's the vaccines. And I said, look, it's not any one thing. This is a multi-systems problem. And the only way we're gonna solve it is with system science. And you have one of the preeminent system scientists in the world. And that's just the fact. It's not here to boost my ego. And when was the last time in the White House we had a system scientist? We haven't, but we live in a world of complex systems and the world and the United States deserves to have someone like me in charge there to make sure we solve these problems. And what do I mean by multi-systems problem? This is a multi-systems diagram. What has caused all of this? What has caused that decline is stress. What does the word stress mean? Well, if you take a you know, junior engineering systems course at, in mechanical engineering or any engineering school, you'll hear about stress. Stress is a certain amount of force per unit area, okay? Well, the concept of stress comes from that engineering system science. We have had the people of the United States, the working people have been so stressed at so many levels, mentally, emotionally, financially, economically, psychologically, spiritually, that they're essentially breaking down. And that's why you have this graph. Their immune systems are breaking down. Their environmental systems are breaking down. The pollution, the particulate matter, the educational systems are breaking down with the lies, the disinformation, and the fake science. The innovation systems are breaking down. I'm sorry, Twitter is not a great innovation. There's no innovation there. Facebook ain't some mind-boggling innovation. We don't really have innovation. Our kids are not learning how to think. They're being told what to think. Governance, we have corruption, we have censorship, we have lobbyists, we have insiders, and all these people, the Kennedys, the Trumps, drain the swampers, they've never solved anything. They keep bringing in the swamp. This is all rhetoric, it's all theater. The only way we're gonna solve it is when one of us from below or all of us come up from below. It's not gonna come from them. The economy, the average American, 80% of Americans only have $400 in their bank account. That's it. There's massive income inequality. This is not a left or right issue. You have the chickens coming home to roost. What do I mean by that? 
since the Vietnam War, all of these veterans that came back into society were not taken care of. One veteran with PTSD affects 100 people in their community and causes stress. In the old ancient times when a Mongolian soldier went out to war and they came back before they're introduced to society, they went through actually a process where they were cleansed of all these stresses. We don't even do that for these people. So we don't take care of any of these people and through a recurring process, these so-called leaders have rhetoric. So we go from Obama's to Trump's to whoever next. So look at this diagram. This is called a systems diagram. And we could get more complicated, but it's not any one thing. The healthcare system is destroyed. The economic system for everyday people is destroyed. The governance system, the innovation systems, the education systems, and the environment systems. It's not any one thing. So if you have one person just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this, this, or I'm going to do that. Uh-uh. It's a systems problem. It's a multi-systems problem. And to address this, you need to take a systems approach. All right. So what are my credentials in this? Well, I grew up in a world of systems from day one. The instant I was born, I grew up in a caste system, which was where people were put into hierarchies. And that hierarchy meant if you were born the son of a shit cleaner, you had to clean shit the rest of your lives, literally. If you were born the son of a coconut picker or the grandson of one, that's what you were supposed to do, which is what my family was supposed to do. And that was preordained. And it still exists in India. And that's becoming existent today in the United States. A caste system is coming in. So I grew up in that caste system. I grew up in Bombay. And I lived in a world of multi-systems in a street seen as this, you would see cows and rickshaws and cars and Mercedes Benzes and people in Armani suits. You saw everything in one screenshot or, or picture scene. But I also grew up in a small village in South India, which was verdant emerald greens like this, temples. And my grandparents were poor village farmers, literally out there planting you know, rice by hand. My grandmother with leeches on their legs, working for 16 hours. And that's a picture of my grandmother in her Sunday best. But in that same village, my grandmother practiced a traditional system of medicine, a 5,000, 10,000 year old system of medicine. Here was a woman with no degrees, tattoos all over her arm. She would look at your face, practice an ancient art form called Samudraka Lakshanam, which means face analysis. She could predict your body's state, how you were deviating from that state, and she would prescribe a multi-systems modality may include food and herbs and massage and sound, mantras and meditation. And I saw her empirically heal people. So I became very, very excited as a child to see how this woman who I adored was helping heal people because doctors did not come into those villages. Every village, village in those days, the women, again, women, Mother Earth were the center of healing in these villages. And that was what my grandmother was. So I was fascinated to want to learn these systems of medicine. And as I mentioned, I wanted to learn why there were these political systems of caste. So I grew up in a fascinating world, seeing this caste system, interested in politics, but also seeing this world of medicine. And my life hasn't changed. <laughs> it hasn't. Here I find myself today in politics and talking to you about medicine. Pretty extraordinary. And in 1970, 
When I was seven years old, my parents came to the United States. So having seen what I'd seen in India, the caste system and all this kind of stuff, I was very compelled to work very, very hard because I wanted to make a difference because I knew those people in India or where I was growing up in New Jersey, people had very little and how fortunate I was to be able to have access to all this knowledge. By the time I was 14, 13, 14, I had finished calculus in my ninth grade. I was also a good athlete, not just a nerd. And my high school had no more math courses. And a little article appeared in the local newspaper, uh, not in a local, in a, in a New York newspaper. And a friend of our family's cut it out, gave it to my mother, Mina. And he said, hey, there's a special program taking place at New York University where they're going to select 40 students to start studying computer science at New York University. And they're going to select 40 students in the United States. I was 14. And even though the cutoff was 15, I was selected. And I was very fortunate to take the train at 5 a.m. from Newark, one of the most crime-ridden poor cities. But, you know, it was adventure. My mom would drop me off. I would take the train into NYU, got there around 6, 7 a.m., and studied from 7 a.m., 8 a.m., all the way to 8 p.m. at NYU, at the Corrin Institute of Mathematical Sciences, learned seven different programming languages. This is 1978, when a computer would take up an entire room. And when I finished that, I had this amazing opportunity because of the love of my family, because of amazing public school teachers, and a mentor at a university called Rutgers Medical School, in the heart of Newark, New Jersey, one of the poorest cities still in the United States. But in that medical school, I was given the opportunity to use my skills I just hard-earned gotten from NYU. While finishing up high school, I was given the opportunity to be a full-time research fellow and start working, again, as a 14-year-old kid, on trying to understand why babies were dying in their sleep. Sudden infant death syndrome. Now we have adult death, adult sudden death syndrome. So here as a 14 year old kid, my mentor, Dr. Michelson said, we're gonna treat you as an adult. And all we expect of you is to be a professional. So as a 14 year old, I'd bring my briefcase in and I would work my butt off because I saw this incredible opportunity. I had access to computers. I had access to data of baby sleep patterns and babies were dying in their sleep. So we had from Montefiore hospital, 48 hour sleep patterns. And those sleep patterns where babies go through, by the way, six states of sleep, adults go through five. So I had their sleep patterns and when they stop breathing. Using this data, I started writing what you would call AI algorithms today. This is back in 78. And I started figuring out under certain patterns when their breathing would stop, I published a paper. Got to go to a major science conference in Espo, Finland to present it. Quite extraordinary. Only in America could something like that have taken place. It didn't occur at MIT, it occurred at Harvard. It occurred at a small medical school in Newark, New Jersey, because again, the love of my family, public school teachers, and a mentor. That's in the triangle where this kind of research took place. But while I was also at that university, so I learned about medicine, I learned about biology, I learned about computing, but I also learned about systems. And the system I was exposed to was because I was good at programming. Someone said, hey, we have this thing called the inter-office mail system where these secretaries in this organization have the inbox, the outbox, the folders. Women could only in those days do four jobs, um, being a secretary, teacher, nurse, or housewife. These secretaries in these offices in medical school 
had a desktop, the inbox, the outbox, the folders, they had a typewriter. They'd write this thing called a memo. And then that memo was put into an envelope. And the memo had a very particular structure, to, from, subject, sound similar? BCC, CC, CC meant carbon copy. So if you were sending a CC to four people, you would take a white piece of paper, put a carbon paper, another white piece, you type it up, then you have to do it again three more times for four CCs, okay? And this was a complex system. In those mainframes, you could send simple text messages. I was asked to convert this entire system to the electronic version. I stayed awake until two in the morning, worked very hard, and many, many days, and I created a system which was the electronic version of this inter-office mail system. And I named that system email, a term also never used in the English language. No one had ever created a system like this. In fact, the researchers of the time thought it was impossible. But a 14-year-old boy in Newark, New Jersey did this. I learned how to create large systems. And these were, by the way, those inner office mail systems of that era. And by the way, just to document it for clarity, because there's no controversy that I created email, is one of the people at the time, David Crocker, he, when he attacked me much later on, he forgot he wrote this document in 1977, clearly stating that no attempt was being made to do something like this. In fact, the other experts thought this was impossible, but I didn't. And that was a creation of email. There you go. This is all the code that's in the Smithsonian now. And all of this was known about back in 1980. In fact, I ended up getting the first United States copyright for the creation of email, the system as we know it today, at a time when copyright was the only way to protect software invention. So wrote all the code, called it email, and um, uh, named it email and have the copyright. Okay. Many years later, um, Time Magazine to the article on a 33 years later. And you can read more about it. But yes, so at an early age, I was exposed to medical systems, building an email system before I came to MIT. It's a very important point. It tells you that innovation can occur anytime, anyplace by anybody. And you don't need to go to these big schools. I got to also go to the big schools. And when I arrived at MIT, because of my interest in medicine, I was wanting to do medicine, but I found out um, that the way Western medicine looked at the body was a bunch of disconnected parts. And I didn't like this. So I ended up pursuing four degrees in engineering. In and out did a degree in electrical engineering, uh, computer science and design, mechanical engineering, two masters, and then my PhD in a field called biological engineering, which is the hottest field right now. But it is a field which recognizes you have to take a systems approach to medicine, systems approach to health. So consider all those other candidates and ask yourself, can these guys solve a problem? Have they ever built, built anything? Can they analyze? Can they read a paper? And you'll find out a big N-O. They can't. And yet they're saying they're going to fix a healthcare system. I'm sorry. They know nothing about anything because they've never done the work. So what is the problem in the healthcare system? Well, this diagram tells you what's going on with the pharmaceutical industry. And we were the first ones to talk about this. None of these other people talked about because they don't know what the problem is. The real problem is pharmaceuticals industry to create a single drug, which, by the way, a drug is a synthetic compound. It takes them close to, look at the years, it takes them close to 13 years. They have to kill thousands of animals because the first part of it is they got to take that drug tested in a test tube. And where we are in Cambridge, there's hundreds of companies opening up lab space here just to do that. Billions of dollars go into that. 
in vitro. Yeah, John. Everything right? Then they have to go kill animals. That's called in vivo. This is called preclinical studies. If that drug that they have discovered doesn't hurt too many people, then they go to human trials. This process takes 15 years, 5 billion bucks. Well, if you look at the data that we've shared, again, no one else did, pharmaceutical companies have been tanking actually. Pfizer's revenue has gone from 65 billion down to 25 billion. I'm sorry, 40 billion, nearly $25 billion loss. Why? Because this entire process is no longer producing drugs that really work. The way they've been doing it is like we used to build airplanes in the old days. You come up with a design, you throw the pilot in. If he crashes, he goes, oh my God, he crashed. Don't know why. And then if he succeeds, then you back of the hand, try to uh, you know, uh, quarterback it to explain why it happened. And the reason the drug development process is failing is because the entire system of academic research is screwed up. And why do I say that? You see in biological or healthcare research, the scientists are incentivized to get grants and focus on a little piece of the problem. It's like the blind man, imagine the elephant being cancer, or the elephant being osteoarthritis, or the elephant being diabetes. They're working on little pieces of the problem. And you get a Nobel Prize and you get hundreds of millions of dollars in funding for working for little pieces. You do not get support for working together. So each blind man's looking at the different piece of the elephant. And if they were ever to work together, they'd get an elephant that looks like this. If you know the story of the blind man, the elephant, the guy who touches a trunk thinks it's a snake. The guy who touches a tail thinks it's a, a brush. And the guy who touches a, um, you know, the um, tusk thinks it's a spear and so on. So they have a completely illusionary view of what they're looking at. But this is the nature of academic research. True story. Several months ago, a story came out that the main leading guy in Alzheimer's 16 years ago, he literally like a, like a delinquent child photoshopped all of the images in a major research paper 16 years ago, misdirecting the Alzheimer's field that this was plaque formation and this was the cause of Alzheimer's. $3.2 billion of your taxpayers funding went into it for that reason, for that bullshit. And this guy has not been put in jail. Quick news story comes out and it disappears. The elites, the priestly class are never held accountable, all of them. It is our movement that has always exposed stuff like this. You won't see this on the front page of any newspaper. It won't be on Tucker Carlson. None of these candidates will talk about it. Why? Because they all have shit on their hands. They all know these people. They party with them and they will not expose it. But this is a fundamental root cause failure. The whole aspect of academic research is literally like the blind men touching the elephant, the elephant being different diseases. In 2003, something important took place in medicine. There was a glimmer of hope. And that occurred because when the genome project ended, as you see here in 2003, we found out we only have the same number of genes as a worm. Biologists in 1993 went into this field thinking that a worm, we knew a worm had uh, about 25,000 genes. So when we started looking at how many genes a human had, they said, wow, humans are so much more complex. Complexity is a direct function of the number of parts. Well, this is a very stupid approach. Any system scientist knows it's not the number of parts that make things complex, it's the connections. Well, it turns out we have the same number of genes as a little worm. Think about that. However, the 
In the case of the human body, our genes give rise to proteins, which communicate with the genes in much more complex interconnections. And those interconnections are known as molecular pathways. Peter Hunter, a scientist, when this discovery was made, he proposed the need for a systems biology. So 2003, 20 years ago. And systems biology said, if we're gonna understand how to really take care of human health, the whole body, we need to look at not only the genes, but the cells, the proteins, and interconnect all of them. So in 2003, after I had started seven companies, after I'd done already three degrees, I was walking back to MIT, and I'd left in the middle of my PhD program in 1993 to start a company called Echomail in the field of artificial intelligence, get, securing the three most important, broadest patents for text analysis and processing, which, which the major players like Microsoft, Google are violating, and we're in the, in the middle of suing them. I decided to go back to MIT, I was walking down the hall and a former advisor of mine said, Shiva, you gotta come back to MIT, you invented email, you love systems, you've done all this great stuff. Here's a challenge. Could we mathematically model the whole human cell? And why was that important? Imagine on the computer, we could model all the molecular reactions. If we could do that, that would mean we don't have to kill all these animals. We could use the computer to figure out if a drug or a compound is gonna work long before we go test it on humans and do all different combinations. And I thought this was pretty amazing because remember my love was always medicine. So I left the company I'd started, found someone else to run it, came back to MIT at the age of 40 to do my PhD. I had to take all my biology courses and take all my PhD exams. And by the way, people don't understand the MIT program is quite rigorous. Out of 100 people going to the PhD program, only 50 people even make it through the exams. It's not some la-di-da-di-da -da -da PhD. Yes, so I am an MIT PhD, and I will put that out there, and it bothers some people that I put my credentials, but I earned those credentials, not like Elizabeth Warren. So what we're talking about is the ability to take a systems approach to biology. So if you could take a field like cancer, or the immune system, and you could extract out all those molecular pathways, convert them to mathematical models, and imagine if we could interconnect those models, we would create on the computer a way to take the knowledge from all those little experiments that are being done by all those biologists, interconnect them, and we would have a holistic systems approach to understanding any disease. This was seen as an impossible holy grail. No different than when I was a 14-year-old kid and people said, no, you cannot create email. I took on this challenge and I created a system called Cytosolve, another invention, which allowed us to literally interconnect systems of systems of molecular pathways. And so if email was the electronic version of the inner office mail system, Cytosolve was an electronic version of the cellular molecular system that we could model. Wrote papers on it. And one of the things that we discovered was that what we had created with Cytosolve was a way long before we killed animals, long before we went to humans, we could test these very powerful combinations of compounds, cocktails, food, on the computer to validate things, whether they worked or not. So imagine I could go back to India and read the ancient texts, and, and they talked about all these wonderful combinations that could cure cancer. I could get those combinations, test them, and validate them, or help discover medicines that were never gonna work anyway. And this is how we build airplanes, right? We don't just throw a pilot in and, and, and do wind tunnel testing or test flights. We do it on the computer. 
And that is what Cytosolve was. Cytosolve is as revolutionary or even more revolutionary than the invention of email and even more or perhaps equally revolutionary as our campaign that we're running. It's a infrastructure to completely radically change medicine. So we have an approach where we can take any idea, any disease, march down through the process of modeling it on the computer, figuring out what works, what doesn't. And we've helped many, many different kinds of organizations. Universities come to us because we can do research faster than other people. We've helped people in many, many areas. Recently, we figured out, we mapped out every major neurovascular disease. And we created the first systems architecture, which was published in the prestigious journal Nature. We have taken the idea of when blood flows through arteries and when nitric oxide gets released, we have gone down to the molecular systems level, looked at all the pathways, interconnected them with Cytosolve, modeled it, and then validated it with those orange dots and wet lab research. And this has been published. We validated this very revolutionary approach to using the computer with Cytosolve to solve diseases faster and cheaper and to help human life. More recently, there was a paper that came out saying if you're going to solve cancer, you have to use cocktails of compounds. Interesting enough, my thesis was the only thing cited in there capable of doing this. By the way, this is in Nature, one of the most prestigious journals in the world. We raised a little bit of money and we used a computer to model all the molecular pathways of pancreatic cancer. We went through millions, tens of millions of combinations of drug combinations. We discovered one which was better than the leading drug that the pharma guys had come up with called gemcitabine. And then we applied to the FDA and we were just a small company. And when we applied, the FDA said, you know, what you guys are doing is quite incredible. This is the future of 23rd century medicine. They gave us our allowance and we did this in a record 11 months, not six years, but 11 months. What other presidential candidate can tell you that? None of them. None of them have gone through this process. They know nothing about medicine, nothing about health, and they don't care about your health either. And going back to the traditional medicine systems, in all traditional medicine systems, it was always about the right medicine for the right person at the right time. The right medicine for the right person at the right time. And that's what we're going to teach you tonight. And in this system, in the old systems, the, the medical healer would look at you like my grandmother did, and they'd make combinations. Well, with cytosol, we can understand why. Curcumin, if you know about an herb called turmeric, it's an anti-inflammatory, it's anti-cancer. We looked at all the papers written about curcumin. We mapped out all the molecular pathways of inflammation. We found the main compound, curcumin, and we mathematically modeled it, how it affects inflammation. Then we looked at the uh, uh, active ingredient in, in the skin of red grapes, resveratrol. We modeled that. We put it together. So we're literally modeling. You're having your curry meal and you're drinking red wine. What will that do to you? Here we can see that. So on the far right column, we've simulated inflammation. In the first experiment, we don't give any curcumin, any resveratrol. You see that you have high inflammation. We just give curcumin and it drops from 0.15 to 0.05. We give resveratrol, it drops from 0.15 to 0.06. And then when you give a combination of each component reduced, you get even more reduction in inflammation. This is called the synergy principle. We're able to prove this with this very powerful capability. All right, so those are my credentials. I'm still a working scientist. I still publish papers. So I know a little bit about health. None of these people, not only do they not care about your health, but they don't even know how health actually works. I know it down at the minutiae level and also at a policy level. 
So when I look at this graph, it really angers me because none of these people care about solving this problem in a country that has the largest GDP and is supposed to be the most industrialized nation. We're, we're actually killing our people. Children and your families are gonna die sooner and earlier, but not Donald Trump's family, not Robert Kennedy's family, not Joe Biden's family, because they eat grass-fed, organic, pasture-raised meats. Don't they, Jason? Okay, he's cooked for some of these elite people. Donald Trump is not eating McDonald's hamburgers all day. It's all bullshit. It's all to act like he's part of the working class. He's not part of the working class. Go to Mar-a-Lago. I don't see a lot of working class people there. This graph is disturbing. It shows a collapse of the entire healthcare system. And people think by voting for the lesser of two evils, well, he said something good. T things are going to change. That's like Charlie Brown, as I talked about, thinking Lucy's going to let him punt the ball. That's called insanity. So the disaster of the Democrats and Republicans is, is very simple. You keep voting for the lesser of two evils, you're going to get suffering in an early grave. So how do we get out of this? The way we get out of this is we address health care. Our platform on healthcare is simple. We got to strengthen the immune system. Very simple. Our policy on environment is very simple. We have to eat local healthy foods. Food is medicine. Our policy on education is simple. Know the truth from lies. Innovation, you got to teach your kids how to think. Governance, we need leaders in our communities and it's not going to come from above, it's going to come from below. In our economy, people have got to learn how to manage their money. Well, for each one of these things, our campaign starting tonight will teach people how to do this. How much will it be? Zero dollars. You just have to be ready. We're going to go door to door, invite people to come every Thursday. So today, as you can see, we're going to teach you how to strengthen your immune system. All right. Let's talk about the immune system. Ready? How are we doing, John? Everyone all right? How are you guys doing? Good? Got a good group here. All right. We're going to teach people how to strengthen the immune system. But what is the immune system? And why have we chosen the immune system as a foundation of healthcare? You know why? Because the immune system is the operating system of your entire infrastructure. No different than if you load up on your iPhone, right? iOS or in your Android, you know, their operating system or in Windows. The operating system's functioning determines the functioning of every other application that runs on it. Your operating system is good, all your applications are going to work well. Your operating system's slow, everything's going to be sluggish. It's engineering. Now, none of these morons who I'm running against know anything about this concept. They've never built an operating system. They've never looked through a, teles a microscope. They've never built a piece of software. They can't even fix anything in their homes. And yet we're electing these people for president? Come on. In 2024, when the world is this world of complex systems, let's talk about the immune system. You're going to learn tonight what is the immune system. What other candidate will teach you that? Do they even have the skills to teach you that and articulate it to you in a way that you can understand it? Well, I do. And I've been an educator most of my life in addition to doing all the other things. So it's very, very an honor for me to teach you this immune, the immune system. Let's talk about the immune system. As you see in this graph here, let's look at this. You have this big pink area, which represents the cell. Outside of the cell, we're showing a picture of why a virus comes in or it could be any other external agent that tries to invade your immune system. You see, we have about 
you know, there's 340 trillion viruses in our body. There's 60 trillion bacteria. There's only 6 trillion cells. We're a walking jungle. We live with viruses and bacteria and fungi all around us. Now, you take a virus like SARS-CoV virus, you see the virus, which has got the little circle, it's casing, and the proteins around it, which are the surface proteins. But inside that virus is a piece of, in this case, um, RNA. It could be uh, double-stranded RNA, but in this case, it's RNA. What is, what is this virus? Well, what is the purpose of a virus? The virus wants to survive like you. It wants to live. How does it live? And it wants to reproduce itself. It needs a host. And you're the host. Your cells are the host. It wants to enter your cell. And it wants to get in there and use your cellular machinery to replicate itself. That's its job. Got it? Everyone clear? The job of the virus is it wants to survive. It's survival. So how, how does it do this? Well, it goes through a four-step process. First, it's got to get into your cell. That's called viral virus entry. That's step one. It's got to enter. Well, how does it enter? Well, how do you enter your home? You have a little key, right? You put it in the lock and you turn it. The virus does the same thing. It's got a key. The key is a protein, the surface proteins. In the case of SARS-CoV, this is called the spike protein. And the spike protein's got to go into the right keyhole. The keyhole is called a receptor. Everyone following me? So it puts the spike protein into the receptor. It's got to find the right receptor. In the case of the SARS-CoV, it was called the ACE2 receptor. And when it opens that receptor up, it's able to go in into your cell. So first strategy, as we'll talk about, is maybe we can stop the virus from even getting in or blowing up the virus before it gets in. Does that make sense? Shoot, shoot the thief before he even comes in, right? Or when he tries to come in. Make sure he can't get it. Once the virus gets in, it, remember, it wants to use your machinery to replicate itself. Well, your body has something called ribosomes. All right. So when that virus enters, it's got a blueprint inside of it to replicate itself. It's got a master plan for itself. That master plan is coded in something called ribonucleic acids. That RNA comes in, and you're seeing that here in the second step, and it uses your own machinery to take its blueprint and make more of itself, right? So that's the second step. It starts reproducing itself. In fact, it starts reproducing all the different parts of itself. And then it reassembles itself, and then it exits. So there's many, many opportunities to stop this virus. First of all, you can make sure it gets blown up before it comes in. You don't let it in. If it gets in, stop the viral replication, stop the reassembly, and stop the transport out. Does that make sense? All right, and that's the strategy here. All right, so in order to support your immune system, you can have good, if your body is in good shape, it's called resilient. If you have a strong immune system, your body takes a hit and it bounces back. Body takes a hit and bounces back. So the way antivirals work, which means things that defeat these viruses, one is, as you see, they can stop the entry of the virus, inhibition of viral entry. They can stop the nucleic acid replication. They can stop the virus assembly and they can inhibit the virus from being transported out. Does it mean you have to take something from outside? No. You'll find out shortly that if you have community and family and you laugh and you have good friendships, your body creates, your body is literally, 
literally a big, your body is a pharmaceutical store unto itself. It'll create amazing molecules to protect itself. It'll create antivirals as I'll share with you. Depression lowers the ability for your body to have antivirals. If you have no friends, you're gonna probably be more than likely sick. Getting out in the sun is very important to producing antivirals. So it's not just popping a pill or getting jabbed. Being exposed as a child to dirt and soil is gonna make you stronger, okay? So our movement from day one has always talked about natural immunity, not artificial immunity. So how does your immune system work? Well, what you're gonna to learn tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is that the concept of the immune system that was used to create artificial immunity, which I call the jab, which is artificial immunity, came out of work that was done in 1915. And by the way, everything I'm sharing with you here, we shared this back in 2018, 2019, 2020, long before all the grifters got involved. And we saved millions of people's lives with this kind of content I'm sharing with you today. But the concept of the immune system was two parts. This is from 1915. The researchers in 1915 said your immune system has a innate part and an adaptive part. And you're gonna learn what these two are. The innate immune system is that part of your immune system that lives in the outer parts of your body that face the environment, in your eyes, you know, your nose, your, you know, your throat, right? Your skin. And the innate immune system is constantly being bombarded, okay? And it's in your skin, your cough reflex, your mucosal layer, stomach acids. And the innate immune system has all these little you know, Marines, if you want to talk about it, you know, infantry that have monocytes, macrophages, you know, neutrophils, NK cells, dendritic cells. You don't have to learn this. There's no assignment here. I'm just letting you know there's lots of little components of the innate immune system, which tries to just take things out as they're coming in. This is happening right now as you're listening to this. If your innate immune system sees something coming in and it's not able to take it out, it tries to take it out, then your adaptive system kicks in. The adaptive system is a thing that is not non-specific. You see your innate immune system, it's, just, it's like shooting rounds of fire, it's just constantly shooting stuff. But your adaptive immune system says, oh, that's this kind of virus. I'm gonna create an antibody for that specific virus and I'm gonna remember it if I ever see it again. But the entire notion of the innate and adaptive systems were these two systems. One was for primitive and broad, the other was highly specific. Okay, but this was this two model diagram of the immune system as you see here today, the innate and the adaptive immune systems. All right, and the idea was a pathogen comes into you, your innate system kicks in, and then your adaptive system creates the antibodies that are specific. So the next time that comes out, your antibodies take it out. Now this science that I'm sharing with you today is a 1915 model. Based on this model, people said, oh, Let's create a vaccine that will basically trick the body into creating these antibodies. So before the pathogen ever has to come through their nose and turn on the innate system, we're just gonna inject it and the body will make these antibodies. Voila, we got a solution, okay? That was the idea. Now, in 1962, based on this 1915, two box model of an immune system, the Kennedy, John F. Kennedy 1962 Vaccination Act comes into being. 
but it was based on only two, uh, two sort of Lego pieces of the immune system. However, there was something that they forgot. There were other components. One of them was the interferon system. There's this other system which resides in between the innate and the adaptive. And it's a very amazing system. And my PhD work was on this system. So again, credentials. I'm considered one of the leading guys on the immune system. And you, anyone can go read my thesis. And it's actually a real thesis, not unlike these politicians, many of them who have no degrees and they fake their degrees, et cetera. So if you read my thesis, you'll find out the work I did on the interferon system. The interferon system is a system that when you're exposed to viruses separate from the innate and the adaptive, it turns on many, many genes, in fact, thousands of genes and gets prepared for future attacks. And the interferon system has various types of interferons. These are things called cytokines. Just think about it as other molecules. There's type one interferons, interferon alpha and beta that provide an early, that support the early innate immune system. And they have a whole range of other uh, support systems, type two interferons, and then there's type uh, three in interferons. And they orchestrate between the innate and the adaptive. So the interferon system is in between the innate and the adaptive. They didn't know this in 1915. So that tells you when you get bombarded by some exogenous agent, a virus, fungus, your innate, your innate's turning on, the interferon system's turning on, and the adaptive. So now I at least I have three instruments, right? It's not only the snare drum and the guitar playing. I got the snare drum, the guitar, and you know the bass. If you want to use an analogy. And what I'm sharing you with you here is the interferon system itself is a very complex system. And I'm not going to go through it. You can see my videos um, on this, but it's it's a four-part subsystem for my PhD work. I modeled this, simulated it, and verified that my models matched with what people had seen in clinical research. But one of the fundamental systems that comes out of this in a recent paper that just came out is that we need a systems immunology. And what you see in this diagram is you see the immune system is at the operating system of everything, cancer, inflammation, uh, tissue repair, uh, cardiology, everything. The immune system is the operating system of your body. So if we are relying on a two box model of the immune system from 1915 for all these artificial interventions, we're missing a big piece, but it gets even more interesting. The researchers who are promoting the systems immunology, which is what the research I do, are, are themselves identifying as in this nature paper in 2018, that we need to completely revamp our understanding we're basing all of this artificial immunity known as the jab or the vaccine on a model of a 1915 model of immunology. All right. So it's not just the innate and the adaptive and the interferon, but it also involves your microbiome. You see your gut and your lungs and everything. We have all these amazing bacteria within us. And this is why many, many traditional cultures who live long and prospered always had fermented foods. And I'll get back to this when I talk about the protocol, because you need to support your microbiome in your gut and everywhere. And then we have the gut brain axis that now we know the gut and the brain talk to each other, the gut and the, you actually have two brains, your gut and your brain, right? And your skull, you have two brains. And so we've done major research in this. So when you look at this architecture, this is a real immune system. 
When John Kennedy passed the 1962 Vaccination Act, he was basing his stuff on 47-year-old work then. By the way, everything I'm sharing with you here, I presented to the National Science Foundation that I was invited to present was known as the Prestige Lecture in 2019. None of these other fools were running who should actually just all exit out and let me just be the next president and they shouldn't waste billions of dollars. If you wanna support a candidate, you should go to shivaforpresident.com and support us. Please don't give them any money. They don't need the money. They need nothing. They already have enough. All right. And what we realize here is when the pathogen comes in to the innate immune system, they wanted to hit you with a vaccine on the adaptive. But the issue is no one's asked, what are the risks? What are the benefits? Okay. It may be better. What are the, what are the benefits of you actually getting a virus coming in and you turn on everything? You turn on the interferon system, the adaptive system, and you get resilient. You see the foundations of system science is resilience. If you want to be strong and healthy, you have to be resilient. You can't be hiding your kids in little fluorescent rooms with iPads in front of them all day long. They got to play in dirt. Famous Finnish study, three groups of kids. One group of kids had animals, dogs going in and out in one household, bringing in all the dirt. Second household had a dog inside, never was allowed to go out. Third household had no dogs, no pets. The first household, the kids had 70% less ear infections. We're supposed to play in dirt. You're supposed to be exposed. I see very few kids. I don't see anyone playing outside. Have you guys? That's all we did growing up in Jersey. First time I ever heard of allergies was when I came to Boston. Blew my mind. Everyone has allergies. Their immune systems are compromised. So we have to ask, what is wrong with getting dirt and living in this and turning on all these systems? versus just the jab, which just turns on one system. This is more like going to a bar to listen to music and all you hear is just a snare drum going. You don't hear any other musicians. We need to, when you get a pathogen coming in, you turn on all these systems, you get resilient. It's like you're building your, your biceps and your back muscles and your chest muscles and you're, you're doing squats, you're getting all of that. You're not just doing this all day. You know, you get a big bicep and everything else is atrophying. You guys follow what I'm saying? All right, so now you've learned that the immune system is a very complex system of many, many different parts. And no one has really asked the question, what are the risks and benefits of actually getting a virus versus getting the vaccine? And we'll talk more about that. So there are a lot of research questions. What's the role of vaccination? How well are we ad addressing the health of the public with one size fits all approach? Everyone gets the same medicine. My grandmother didn't do that. She didn't have a college education. Same person could have the same issue. She would give them different herbs. It was tweaked for that person. We have to ask where should, who should be controlling healthcare? Should it be some fool bean counter who comes out of Harvard telling his insurance company, all of the doctors should just be data entry operators do this and everyone gets the same protocol or should it be the doctor who actually learns how to heal? We don't have that anymore. Since 1980 to today, healthcare has been reduced to where the doctor is a data entry operator. They don't, most doctors don't even know about the immune system. You've learned tonight, ladies and gentlemen, more about the immune system than 99% of the doctors out there. Go educate your doctors with this video. They know nothing about the immune system. Yet they have huge egos because they get that little white coat. You know, they think they're God. 
The second question is, should it be decentralized or centralized? I would argue it should be decentralized. And the questions we need to ask is, what about new tools like Cytosolve? Why aren't they being deployed? Right? We have to ask, do vaccines, by just giving the jab, are they bypassing all these other amazing systems? It's like, again, just doing a bicep curl all day, every time we go to the gym. We're not turning on all these other systems. So there you go. You've now learned, you know, literally what the immune system is, okay? What I'd like to do now is now talk about solutions. How are we doing, everyone? People are okay? You guys with it? All right. So you've learned my background as an expert on the immune system. You've learned the, about the facts. What is the immune system? Now, how do we strengthen the immune system? Is there one way to do it? Get jabbed? No. Do we all go drink green tea all day? No. Do we all get exercise? Is that the only way? No. You're going to learn that the reason that curve goes down like this and is and we're seeing the destruction of the American people, literally. We're literally seeing the destruction of the American people by that singular graph I shared with you. The reason that it's happening, lifespan is decreasing, is that the immune system is being destroyed. Out of all the research that was done on aging and people living long, people discover the number one reason that people live long Number one reason was community. Community, let me repeat that again. Friendships, family, relationships, not fractured relationships, not stressed relationships. People had friends, they could rely on people. Number one reason was community and friendships. And I'll show you why shortly. So write this down, you wanna strengthen your immune system? build community. And that's what we do right here with our campaign. We do that with our movement. Number one reason people live long is because they had friendships and community. How stupid was it to lock down people and tell people they couldn't even talk to their friends in the middle of a so-called pandemic? It's the worst thing you could have done. Number one reason, community, community, community. Build community, build immunity. That was our slogan during the lockdowns. Remember that, John? Okay. So let me show you the science of this. And this is called epigenetic factors. Okay. Let's go through this. Am I still on Zoom, John? Yeah. Okay. Let me share this. All right, we're gonna now go into the solutions. All right. All right, societal and epigenetic factors. So let's call the epigenetic factors. So think about your immune system. Now that everyone understands what the immune system is, what is the goal? What's the goal? Miles, to strengthen the immune system, right? We got to make it resilient. Well, what does that mean? That means a bunch of viruses we throw at Miles, okay? Let's say we all cough on Miles. We don't want to do that, Miles, but imagine if we did. It's not like Miles gets sick the next day. His body takes in those viruses. 
It knows how to process them. In fact, it comes out stronger. No different than if you went, went into the workout room and you did some weights, maybe you hurt a little bit. The next day, you got a little less sore and your body gets stronger. So the input here and output to the immune system is you may be hit with viruses and pollution and stress and pesticides. You may lose your job. You may have family problems. Yeah, once maybe once in a while, you have to eat a burger, right? And uh, uh, you have all sorts of inputs going on. And the output is if you're strong, your body is still healthy. Does that make sense? That's really what health is, right? A lot of these people eat, you know, clean this, clean food, clean. One day they jump in some dirty water, boom, they get sick, right? That's not a healthy person. Does that make sense? People think, well, I'm just going to eat clean. I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to be, no, that is, yeah, you have the luxury of eating clean, but you happen to one day not be able to eat clean and you get sick. That's not a healthy person. That's not a resilient immune system. So that's the first concept, Okay. In a weakened immune system, when you get hit with these things, you get disease. Because if your immune system's compromised, that's when you get heart disease and diabetes and kidney failure and Alzheimer's and insomnia, depression and anxiety. Okay? The immune system is central to all of these diseases. So if we destroy the immune system, which is what's been happening in the United States, and which, by the way, will happen globally everywhere. Everyone is basically 10 years because everyone copycats the Kardashians and the Kennedys and the Trumps and all this because they think they're so cool, but they're really not, okay? So whatever's happening in the United States, it's going to happen everywhere else in 10 years if everyone else wants to follow this model. But what's fundamentally happening is people are destroying the immune systems. So what supports the immune system to get strong? Social interactions. Number one reason people live long was social interactions. Number two reason that people live long was they all drank, believe it or not, a local fermented drink, fermented foods, the gut microbiome, and then they all worked vigorously. Food was never even on there. Isn't that interesting? Social interactions, a local fermented drink of some kind, doesn't mean they drank themselves to death and were alcoholics, which supported the gut microbiome, and they did some type of vigorous exercise, something physical. Obviously sleep, clean air, and water and food are important to this. But those are the things that support this. So let's go back to the lack of social interactions. Here's a study that talked about, in fact, even the WHO admits this, depression as a leading cause of poor health and disability. Do you guys know that? Depression, isolation, number one cause of poor health and disability worldwide, depression. And depression is a common factor uh, more than 264 million people of all ages suffer from depression. It's a leading cause of disability worldwide. More women are affected by depression than men. Depression can lead to suicide. Lack of social interactions. And by the way, depression is not any one thing. It's a complex system of you know, interaction of social, psychological, and biological factors. And people have gone through either adverse life events, you know, unemployment, bereavement, psychological trauma. And that's what's happening to the working people. They're being stressed. They get depressed. And that's why you see that curve going down. And then they take antidepressant medications. And those antidepressants further suppress the immune system. So it's almost designed to kill people, all this whole thing. You know, at its worst, 
you know, depression can lead to suicide. About 800,000 people die per year. And suicide is the second leading cause of death in 15 to 29 year olds. From the US standpoint, when you really look at this, the, you know, these conditions, you know, cause more days of people not working, work impairment, as we say here, and, and many chronic conditions, diabetes, asthma, and arthritis. And they cost the United States healthcare system close to $200 billion annually. So that's what's going on. And by the way, all of these politicians, Democrats and Republicans know about this, and they've done nothing. Nothing. Mental disorders top the list of the most costly conditions in the United States, $200 billion just in mental conditions. And you can see mental disorders lead even heart conditions, trauma, cancer, pulmonary conditions, osteoarthritis, et cetera. And think about in your own family circles, how many people have some mental depression, anxiety issue going on? All right, during the so-called pandemic and the lockdown, you can see this graph here, anxiety and depression skyrocketed right during January 19, 2020 to March 15th. The only group that called this out was us. You remember this, right? We were the only ones who said to fire Fauci. We were the only ones who called this out in March of 2020. It was our movement that said fire Fauci. We didn't see any of these other grifters there. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was nowhere to be seen on our fire Fauci campaign. He came a year later, watching which way the wind blew, and then wrote a book called The Real Anthony Fauci, plagiarizing all of our material. I didn't see him go to DC with us with 120,000 signatures. We did that. And that's to set the record straight. So if you wanna bow down and kiss his ass, you're gonna, you might as well recognize that you're probably a star fucker. Excuse my language, but that's what you are because that's what they call you. And I have to be brutally honest about that. These people are not here to help you. They weren't here in 2020, we were. We were the ones who led the biggest protests in New Jersey to stop the vaccine mandates. He was trying to negotiate with Democrats, as John said. Oh, Shiva's gonna get oh, my Democrat colleagues upset. These guys don't wanna build a bottoms up movement. They wanna be popular. And later on, they come and act like they did all this work and they didn't. But this is what was going on. And if you look at this, the anti-anxiety medi uh, medications during this period rose 34%, antidepressants, 18%, anti-insomnia drugs, 14%. This is what happened during right in 2020. All these grifters coming now, we didn't see them there. We were on the forefront because when you know science and when you actually are on the ground, you can see the future. And as president of the United States, I will always see the future and always will call this out way ahead, not when it's convenient, not when it's in, in, in fashionable to do that. So again, depression, mental disorders, have friends, build community. Very important thing, very famous paper that came out in the 80s. So it was in 1980, people knew about this. Loneliness is a molecule, social relationships and health. And then again, it came out in 2007 in very good work done by Stephen Cole. Stephen Cole literally took primates, monkeys, and basically they were isolated. And he went at the genetic level and he showed 
at the molecular DNA level that when you isolate, we're primates, what happens to us? Our body, actually it's called conserved trans transcriptional response to diversity or CTRA, which describes an upregulated inflammatory gene expression and downregulated antiviral response. When you are isolated from your friends and family, your body actually does not produce the right set of proteins it needs. It doesn't express your genes. So you get antiviral response. What did Trump do? He locked down people. Who was the first one to call him from doing that? Me. We have it documented and I'll show you that. And we in fact came up with a solution. Don't you want that in a president who can see the future and call it out? Or do you want someone who's a bumbling idiot who ah, did bankruptcies and you know whatever, talks his way through, make America great, lock her up? All scripted, bullshit, theater. Is that what you wanna keep having? Well, that means you want your children, your families to die sooner and younger. You're part of the problem then. Now look at this. The lack of social connection is greater. And we, we did all of these videos, everything I'm sharing with you in 2020, we're educating people. The lack of social connection is greater than obesity, greater than smoking, greater than high blood pressure. You get more inflammation, you get less response from your immune system. So for God's sake, get friends. And that's what we try to do in our movement here. Every Thursday, we have open houses and you're all welcome. We do it physically, we do it remotely, and we have a huge movement, global movement, so you can connect with people globally. We walk the walk. Strong social connections, 50% increase in chance of longevity, 50%. Strengthens your immune system, genes impacted by the loneliness code for immune function and inflammation. Recover from disaster faster. You build resilience. Okay, so first takeaway, please get friends. And anytime someone tries to lock you down, fight. And if you're depressed and anxious, fight. Fighting is good. It liberates you. You get all these people running around and say, well, we're one big kumbaya. We shouldn't get angry. We went to Kennedy Singh. What did the idiot say there, John? Heal the divide. Heal the divide. As though, I mean, heal the divide and don't be angry. It's like, fuck you. You have the luxury of talking about heal the divide. No, when you have this systemic problem, what do you do when you have a systemic problem? You have cancer at the fourth stage. You got to go in there and you got to irradiate the stuff. You got to go take out that cancer. Nothing heal to divide. Don't get angry. Well, you can live in Malibu and drive around in your SUVs and your private planes. You have nothing. Of course, everything you can be chilling out, flying your Falcons. That's what he does, right, John? Heal to divide, heal the divide. This is all just bullshit kumbaya. No, we need to expose who caused these divisions and we need to throw them out and we need to get angry. So don't take all this bullshit, heal the divide. All right, so fight. By the way, fighting's very good. It gets you excited, gets you realizing that you have a purpose. You bring other people together. Fight evil, very, very healthy. Curse at the right person at the right time, very healthy. Don't tell people to control your language. 
unhealthy. You keep everything in. That's what they want you to do. Let's talk about food and nutraceutical factors. So we've talked about the mental issue. Now I'm going to give you a protocol. Again, which presidential candidate will actually tell you what to do here and now, not saying vote for me and then one day I'm going to deliver you health care. Bullshit. They haven't delivered you anything. Let's talk about this. We're going to talk about garlic, green tea, ginger, turmeric, vitamin D, vitamin A, glutathione, quercetin, and zinc. Write it down. You can take a screenshot of this. All right. Start with garlic. If you ever feel a cold coming on, by the way, big disclaimer, you got to put this. This is not a medical advice. Go talk to your doctors, everything I say here, and get, get their input, okay? Got the disclaimer out. Garlic. One of the most powerful substances on the planet. Sulfur-based compound. The instant you feel a cold coming on, you know what I do? I take a whole bulb of garlic. I chop it up to little pieces. You can get, I mean, the Italians knew to make good garlic bread. Put some nice butter or ghee. Saute that garlic. Get a nice piece of bread. Put it on there. A whole bulb. I'm not talking about just one little piece. I'm talking about a whole bulb. Add a little salt and eat that garlic. You're literally giving yourself a boost to your immune system because garlic activates the innate and the adaptive immune system. Thousands of papers written on it. It inhibits the inflammatory enzymes such as ERK-1-2 and inflammatory cytokines that are involved in the cytokine storm where your body overreacts. Let me make this very clear. It is not a virus that kills you. That's a boogeyman story that the idiot media people don't even know what they're talking about. Again, we explained this in 2019 and 2020. We saved a lot of people's lives. It's not a virus that's attacking you and eating you away, like out of some horror movie. Every virus has some place it likes to go. Everyone has a home. Some viruses like to go into your epithelial tissues and your lungs. Others like to go to your endothelial cells in your uh, endothelial uh, cells in your cardiovascular system and so on. And when they get there, your body sends the immune system to go attack it. If your body is normal, it'll turn on the innate, the adaptive, the interferon. It has a little bit of fluctuation. You get a little sick and you, it goes away. But if your body is weak, it's like a car driving over a pothole without any shock absorbers. You know what happens? Your head goes through the roof. Okay, that's a cytokine storm. Your body overreacts. It is the overreaction of your body that causes the ailment. It is not the virus. It is your weakened immune system. You don't have shock absorbers. Where garlic ensures that you modulate those inflammatory cytokines. It mitigates allergic reactions. And it improves outcomes for such diseases. Gastric ulceration, cardiovascular, metabolic, cancer. But this means you got to start taking responsibility for your health. If you start feeling a little scratch in your throat, be wary of these things. Listen to your body. Garlic. Amazing thing in your tool chest to support your immune system. And you can see here, as a scientist here, now you can understand why. I'm going down a little bit lower. You see garlic has these organosulfur compounds. There's the chemical structure. It turns on antimicrobial antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal activities because it supports the innate immune systems, the natural killer cells. It supports the macrophages, the uh, gamma delta T cells. 
and look at all the things it does. But you just learned a little quick lesson here. Here's the molecular dynamics. And I just gave you a personal thing, um, you know, what I do. But that's garlic, number one. And by the way, garlic not only hits the innate immune system, but it also supports the adaptive. So garlic, there's a compound in garlic called agene, and it promotes the activation of IL-10, okay? And IL-10 is needed for the proliferation of the anti-inflammatory Th2 cells. And the Th2 cells are important because they stimulate the pr production of the antibody-producing B cells to produce you know, immunoglobulin uh, A, and IgA is the antibody that plays a critical role in the immune system function of mucous membranes. So boom, you get two hits. You get a left hook and a right hook with garlic. But the garlic organosulfur compounds do something else. They actually stop the cytokine storm. They're like shock absorbers. They stop the TNF-alpha, IL-1-beta, um, IL-12, IL-6, and MCP-1. So garlic is amazing. Please, for God's sake, always have garlic in your home, especially during the change of seasons. And garlic is going to also mitigate allergic reaction because it reduces histamines, right? Histamines are implicated in many things, you know, in antigens like nuts, shellfish, pollen. Another very powerful use of garlic. So that was garlic. So you've learned, have friends, eat a lot of garlic, when you feel cold coming on, okay? Include it in your diet, but just boost it when you feel something. Next thing, green tea. Green tea is powerful. We've done, we published a number of papers on green tea. What is green tea? Why is it good for the immune health? Again, it modulates that cytokine storm. You're putting some shock absorbers in. It's a potent antimicrobial, and it too modulates all the systems in the innate, innate adaptive interferon system. And it also acts as a potent bronchodilator when you're getting, you know, when you're Lungs are very, getting very, very stiff, okay? And how does it do this? Because one of the compounds in green tea is known as L-theanine. And what L-theanine does, it promotes a pr proliferation of the gamma delta T cells that's part of the innate immune system. And it also kills directly microbes such as bacteria, viruses, and fungi. Green tea. Now, there's a very important compound in green tea known as EGCG. You can buy it separately. But in green tea, it also supports your adaptive immune system to produce antibodies, all right? And EGCG inhibits NF-kappa-beta, AP1, and then also mitigates the cytokine storms. So again, EGCG in green tea and the L-theanine, two very important compounds from green tea. In addition, green tea also modulates a whole bunch of other uh, Th1 cells and other cytokines. But EGCG also does something else. It literally uh, destroys the membrane, which means you know all of these uh, viruses or fungi, right, have membranes covering. The EGCG inhibits uh, the virus from binding, entering the cell. Remember we talked about the lock and key? It stops it from entering. It also disrupts, in the case of bacteria, it disrupts the membrane and it causes DNA damage to bacteria. And it's also antifungal. It destroys the membrane of fungus, it causes them DNA damage, and it also inhibits the synthesis um, uh, of a very important molecule called ergosterol, which is necessary for the fungi to build the cell walls. So EGC, very, very powerful chemical, which is in green tea. 
It also supports people of asthma, symptoms by, uh, with green tea that it lets them eliminate their vasoconstriction, okay? So two important compounds, garlic, green tea. How much do these cost? Pennies. Ginger. Ginger is amazing, okay? You can go get ginger root, typically fresh. And why is ginger important for immune health? First of all, it inhibits inflammatory enzymes. Most of the immune issues that you're having come from inflammation. And there are two very important enzymes, COX-2 and 5-LOX. And if you can control those, you won't have runaway immune response. But ginger also directly kills bacteria and fungi. It also inhibits inflammatory cytokines, and it also mitigates allergic reaction, reactions from asthma. Green tea, uh, ginger, ginger, I'm sorry, is able to do this because it's got an important compound called gingerol. And it, as you can see in this diagram, it inhibits a cytokine storm where your body won't overreact. And it also inhibits these two inflammatory markers, COX-2 and 5-LOX. In addition, ginger, the essential oil of ginger, literally blows up the wall of bacteria and fungi. And then finally, it modulates, you know, uh, allergic response. And you can see here that for people with asthma, right, the asthmatic reactions, the ginger oil compound really supports and extends the contraction of the airway, uh, uh, which is extended when the airways extend. Um, ginger really helps mitigate all of that. So garlic, green tea, ginger. In the herb side, let's finish up with the wonder herb, turmeric. Turmeric is that very powerful golden yellow herb. It's in the Indian culture, it's used everywhere. Pretty much everyone in the United States knows about it. But ginger does many things. It supports both the innate and the adaptive. It mitigates allergic reactions. It also modulates the cytokine storm, but it has many powerful actions for the autoimmune system, cardiovascular system, and pretty much every neurodegenerative disease. And again, as you can see here, curcumin also affects the entire innate system. It increases the activation of anti-inflammatory M2 macrophages. It lowers oxidative stress. And you can see curcumin also affects Th1 and Th7. Simply put, it stimulates a pr proliferation of the antibody producing B cells. And then overall, the curcumin also modulates the cytokine storm. So you can see these things are giving you shock absorbers and they're strengthening your immune system. And again, it has very powerful effects on asthma. So garlic, green tea, ginger, and turmeric, please make them part of your pharmacopoeia at home. Now let's finish up with four, five chemicals. Vitamin D3. There's a reason that pretty much every culture in the world used to pray to the sun god. Because when you get sun hitting your skin, your body creates a nutrient or, or a chemical called vitamin D3, which really shouldn't be called a vitamin. It actually is a hormone. And vitamin D3 creates through a series of chemical reactions, something you may want to write this down called CAMP, catholicidin antimicrobial proteins. Imagine here's a virus with its wall and imagine shooting bullets at that wall or bazookas or missiles. When you get sunlight, your body makes vitamin D3 and the vitamin D3 creates catholicidin antimicrobial proteins, one of the oldest proteins known for billions of years. And where do you get vitamin D3? Well, you can get it from sunlight. Number one way to recommend to so get your kids out there, get out there. If you're white, okay, you need about 15 minutes. If you're dark, you need actually 75 minutes. 
So when these lockdowns took place, putting all these dark-skinned people in tenement homes, you basically were sending people to their death sentence. If you want to take, you can get it from dietary supplements, but make sure it's D3. Fatty fish, the salmons and the sardines, cod liver oil, very important. And when you take vitamin D3, I'm not going to go through the details, but your body will literally take the vitamin D3, create these proteins, and these catholicine and antimicrobial proteins are literally like missiles that blow up the walls of cells. That's what they do. Isn't it amazing during the so-called pandemic? No one recommended this. This was not a national policy. Anthony Fauci was taking it. Robert Kennedy was taking it. Donald Trump was taking it. But did they make that a part of national policy? Did they, John? Did they? We did, though. We'll show you the letter we wrote to Trump. They didn't. Vitamin D3, sunlight. Vitamin A. Why is vitamin A important? Think about, as a good friend of mine said, you're going out in, in, in the winter and you put your first layer, second layer, third layer, right? That's what you're doing here. Take your vitamin D3. Vitamin A. Vitamin A literally supports the integrity of your epithelial tissue in the lungs. It improves the innate immune function, the adaptive immune function. And your body is able to... Um, uh, vitamin A regulates cytokeratins. When you eat the green leafy or the purple foods, your body will make it. By the way, important to this, supporting vitamin A is iodine. We don't have enough iodine in our foods. So make sure you're supporting it with good mineral salts. Very important to go with vitamin A. Glutathione. Glutathione is the most powerful antioxidant on the planet. The most powerful antioxidant on the planet. And it's a ma master antioxidant. And with glutathione, your body can have very powerful immune response. If you're really weakened, go talk to your doctor or someone to get a glutathione drip, where you're sending glutathione right into your body, because glutathione, if you eat it, it's, it, it doesn't make it through the digestive tract, okay? It gets, uh, it gets destroyed. But so you have to take precursors to, one of them is called NAC, N-acetylcysteine, NAC, you can get it at the vitamin store. But... Glutathione is very, very powerful antioxidant. It promotes a reductive environment. It uh, inhibits viral protein synthesis, as well as making sure the viruses can't even fold properly and inhibits the vi um, viral replication. And so with the inhibition, you also get uh, that you, you stop the cytokine storm. And if you augment it with vitamin D, we in fact even get a more powerful response. And then finally, quercetin and zinc. Quercetin comes from the skin of most fruits. Fruits are very, very good, you know? Probably more important than vegetables, okay? Eat your fruits. But why is quercetin important? You see, zinc is one of the most powerful minerals for stopping the virus from replicating. But you got to get zinc into the cell. And when you take quercetin, quercetin activates the innate immune system. It does many, many other things, but it's an ionophore. Ionophore means it opens the cell walls up so zinc can go in, okay? That's why quercetin is very important. It it's, supports the innate immune system. It modulates inflammatory cytokines, but and it also modulates aller allergy. But as you can see in this diagram, it is a very, very powerful ionophore so zinc can get in. There you go. Now, everything I've shared with you can review the video, but let me just tell you, they don't care about any of this. And how do I know this? 
because in 2020, in March of 2020, March 23rd, as a scientist, as an expert, I was the only one in the world to write a letter to Trump. And here it is, March 23rd, 2020. I explained to Trump that Fauci is a scumbag. Get rid of him. None of these other people did it. I did it. We put it in writing. We got the letter to him. Marla Maples, his former ex-wife, got it to him. And in this letter, we show that Fauci doesn't know anything. He's full of shit. His policies are garbage. And that Trump should not shut down the economy. And we gave him a protocol. We said, look, if you really have the old, really sick people, fine, quarantine them. But the rest of the people organize them into two groups, one testing positive for COVID, two, the people are hospital hospitalized in critical condition, three, people are immunocompromised and not COVID positive and healthy individuals who are not COVID positive, group four. For the group one, quarantine them until they test negative, give them 400,000 IUs of vitamin A, 50,000 IUs of vitamin D for two days, boom. And by the way, these dosages have been around in the literature for 20, 30 years. Group two, also give them 400,000 IUs, 50,000 IUs of vitamin, vitamin uh, D. And these are people who are suffering. They're in the ICU. Also, for God's sake, give them a vitamin C drip of 100 grams, slow dripped. We could have saved many people's lives. People listened to us did survive. And people are immunocompromised, right? You know, that's protocol. That's group three. And we also gave protocols for children and adults. And then a maintenance group. And many people who followed this saved their lives. The government did not do this. So here you have the protocol, you can review this. So in summary, and then we'll open up to questions, John. One size doesn't fit all. The science ain't settled. Boost immunity. You need a systems immunology approach as you've learned here. Individuals must become accountable for their own health and stop outsourcing it. You got to educate your MDs. They don't know anything about this. Their unconscious incompetence. Health emerges from the dialogue between you and your healthcare provider. Quantify, quantify, quantify. What does that mean? That means, you know, take assessment. Are you going the right direction or the wrong direction? Figure out what is the root cause. And you have to recognize that there, we have to have open dialogue for scientific advancement. Have your ideas and beliefs but apply the scientific method. And again, getting back to this diagram, this is a disaster. In 2024, if you're gonna keep voting for this theater, the Obama or the Trump or the Kennedy or the Biden or the Kamala Harris, you're basically a fool. Look what they've delivered you. They gotta all go. Don't be like Charlie Brown, thinking you're gonna run up and she's not gonna pull the ball away. They're, they will pull the ball away because the Democrats and Republicans, the lesser of two evils, is leading America to its grave faster. And we have the solution, service of citizenship. Today, I serve you by doing this. All of you go to shivaforpresident.com, support this movement. You donate. We give you actually gifts. We'll teach you. We'll give you the entire system science model. You can learn how your body is a system. We give you books, donate. We give you gifts. <laughs> I just can't take something for nothing. Anyway, this is Dr. Shiva Iduray, Dr. Shiva for president 2024. Let's take some questions, John. We want to take questions, John. You can read out the questions. 
But this is really your forum now. We have close to 90 people here and we're also broadcasting. So John, we'll take a question. So, so those, what is that, John? Sorry, I don't know. Trying to get questions on Zoom if people can. Yeah, so people can put in the Zoom chat or on StreamYard if people can put there, John will pick it up. But the fundamental issue is recognize that we have to strengthen our immune system. The immune system is the operating system. And we recognize here that social interactions are key. It's very, very important. You start incorporating some fermented foods into your diet. And I've given you sort of, you know, two different protocols here, right? One is herbs, the garlic, the green tea, the turmeric, the ginger, and the other is the vitamin A, the vitamin D, the um, quercetin and the zinc. There's many others, but these are sort of big foundational ones, okay? You can add others, but we have to strengthen our immune system. The government ain't gonna do it, so you might as well start doing it yourself. They'll actually kill you. Question, John? All right, I, I can see a chat here. Um, Myra says, awesome presentation. Um, are microwave ovens bad and why? Very interesting question, okay? So what does a microwave actually do? Okay, it sends, it's theoretically, if it's in a cage and it's protected, a microwave very rapidly changes the dipole uh, action. It's, it's basically, if you take a water molecule, the water molecule is H2O, one end is positive, the other end is negative. And what a microwave does is with this cycle, it's just rotating that molecule. And that's why you have to have a little bit of water, right? Whenever you cook something. And the rotation of that molecule is literally through friction causing heat. Now, I haven't had the opportunity, you know, to go study what happens to the food at a molecular systems level. But clearly, if your microwave is not shielded, you're gonna affect yourself. What is it, now there are people talked about vibration medicine, that when you're rotating this, that it affects the vibration of the molecule and what that causes. I haven't had time to frankly study, it'd be a good area of study, it's probably a whole research area. What else, John? Um, James is asking, the garlic and ginger needs help, how to take these in raw form and make it easier to deal with, to take them for best benefit. Large amount of garlic is particularly hard to do. Yeah, so first of all, please, for God's sake, don't eat. You know, uh, if you have parasites and worms, you can, you know, there's a technique where you can eat a little bit of garlic and you can mix it with aloe vera and take it, but you don't want to take raw garlic the amount I'm talking about on an empty stomach, you'll burn a hole in your, in your gut. That's why I say it's okay to put James, you can take a frying pan, put some ghee, ghee is clarified butter or some very good grass fed pasteurized butter and lightly saute the garlic until it becomes lightly brown. Don't overkill it and put that on a piece of bread like you would have garlic bread. That's the best way to do it. Ginger, there's two kinds of ways you can take ginger. Um, one is where you take by the ginger root, fresh ginger root, and you let it dry. Or the other way is you take the fresh ginger, you pe always peel the skin, and you can cut it into small, and you can mash it, and you can put it in, take uh, boiling hot water, and you let the water boil, steep in it, boil vigorously for five or 10 minutes, let it steep, and you pour the, so if you eat the fresh ginger that way, it'll actually support your body. Ginger tea is a great way to take it. 
The other form of ginger, some people dry out the ginger and they pound it with a mortar and pestle and they make a powder. And then they can, um, you know, take it straight or with some honey. Two different benefits. Um, in traditional medicine, the latter form of dry ginger will really heat your body. If you're very cold and you're feeling cold, that'll go very deep and heat your, uh, support your body's heat, you know, and support your body's metabolism. Ginger is also, by the way, very, very good for nausea. Okay. You go on a flight, you don't feel good. Ginger ale, uh, very valuable. But uh, with garlic, please, um, you know, saute it. Um, don't eat that much garlic. But you, I take a whole bulb and you got to pound it. So it has a pharmaceutical type effect. Next, John. Um, Noel on Zoom is asking uh, cooking oils and health. Which oils are healthiest? Good question. Look, all of the seed oils, please, for God's sake, do not cook with the seed oils. Okay. Why do I say this? Um, we don't have time to do a basic uh, chemistry lesson, but you have what are called saturated fats and you have unsaturated fats. Typically, if you take two carbon molecule, uh, atoms and you put a double bond in them, that double bond is what um, you know these uh, polyunsaturated fat oils are. And double bonds break very, very easily when you expose them to heat or light. So all of the seed oils in traditional cultures, you typically took seed, you pounded it, and you used it then and there. Do not cook with seed oils because they easily get damaged. If you want to use something to cook with, either cook on a, you know, with a little bit of butter or ghee if you want to use lard. Um, but cooking with seed oils is one of the worst things that you can do. In fact, olive oil. It is highly recommended when you get olive oil, put it in your refrigerator. You can even take a vitamin E capsule and you can put it in there because it has, otherwise it's gonna oxidize and make sure oils are kept in dark jars and away from sunlight. Um, Arash is asking, can you speak about fasting, intermittent fasting, any known effects on the immune system? Yeah, so um, your body has various processes to support its healing. Um, one of these processes is called autophagy, okay? Um, autophagy is where your body cleanses itself. Now, in many, many cultures, there was typically one day in the week where people would rest the body, which is to fast, right? It could be on a Friday or Saturday. Some people embedded into a religious uh, part, you know, made it also part of their religious um, uh, efforts. but. What's really important to recognize, one of the biggest organs in your body is, is the liver. The liver really supports the cleansing of your body, right? The liver. In the Indian system, it's called pitta. When you take, uh, if you want to go to truthfreedomhealth.com, we have an entire course that I've built which teaches you the functioning of the entire system's approach, be it to your health, anything. But one of the important things to recognize is that, um, can someone get me some water? <coughs> Uh, in fact, um, Miles, you can get me one of these back there. Um, do you want to go get it, John? It's back there. So what's important to understand is that the, the, um, the liver supports cleansing of your internal systems. And when the liver is properly allowed to get some rest once in a while, it, it's able to rejuvenate itself uh, through detoxification. One second.
All right, sorry about that. Throat was getting dry, but um, <clears throat> the liver is um, extremely important. In many, many cultures, they would do a liver cleanse around the spring or you know the change of seasons. Um, so the autophagy part, the intermittent fasting, what it's really doing, it's helping the liver heal and it helps metabolism of particularly fats. The liver and the gallbladder are particularly important for both of these aspects. Go ahead, John, next. Um, no one's asking, this, uh, what about sleep and health? <clears throat> well, let's talk about, uh, obviously, sleep is one of the most important things. Now, the question is, how much sleep should you get? This has been a pretty controversial area. Some people have said five hours. Some people have said um, eight hours. You know, you always need to get eight hours. In my view, having done some work in sleep medicine, the interesting part is, what kind of sleep are you getting? Remember, in adults, there's five stages of sleep. There's REM sleep, there's transition sleep, deep sleep, and so on. One of the important things is, are you getting proper deep sleep? When you sleep, are you getting that deep, deep, deep rest? Some people never go to that deep stage. One of the powerful things to do, and this is called, um, we can do a whole class on this, John, it's called your circadian rhythm. The circadian rhythm in your body is a master clock in your body. When you're getting proper sleep, you are really resetting the entire circadian rhythm. The pineal gland, which the ancients called the third eye is central to this because it's a master controller. One of the uh, powerful ways to support sleep and deep relaxation is something called meditation. In our, uh, in one of the things I do every, uh, every once in two months, we recently taught a systems meditation class where we taught people how to meditate, how to do, there's many, many different forms of meditation. And you, have, you can do the right meditation for the right person. But one of the most profound ways to meditate where you give the individual the ability to observe the sensations in their body. M many people have no idea how they slept. They don't even know if they slept well or not. They don't even know where their body state is. So I would suggest that you learn some relaxation techniques. A meditation technique can be very powerful before you go to bed or even during the middle of the day, if you can take the opportunity to take a good 15 minute nap, very, very good to reset your entire body. But obviously sleep is essential because it's essentially you're doing a complete reset of the body. Um, in our systems health stuff that, you know, I've created a whole program. Health has been centered to what I've done, not only with Cytosol, but systems health, we actually have a whole program where we teach people a course in what's called circadian physiology. Look it up, C-I-R-C-A-D-I-A-N, circadian physiology. Um, Aaron is asking how to treat arthritis. Wow, that's a good question. Remember, it's not the right, uh, the right medicine. Remember, it's always the right medicine for the right person at the right time. Arthritis, remember, there's osteoarthritis. Um, if you go to the Arthritis Foundation's website, you'll see various forms of arthritis, lupus, fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis. These are different kinds of arthritis, but ultimately underlying all of these phenomenon and arthritis is 
um, at least a common pathway known as inflammation that involves COX-2, it involves um, you know, uh, oxidation, you know, reactive oxygen species. There's a paper that we recently published about two months ago, which really maps out joint health and the uh, ways that you can modulate joint health. And in fact, we did some very deep research in osteoarthritis with our partners at UHN, University Health Network of Canada. And we, um, we, right now I won't do a demo, we'll do a follow-up on this maybe on next week or so, but we went through all the different compounds in nature. And we in fact discovered some two very powerful compounds. One comes from bitter orange and the other one comes from parsley. And we literally used our technology to uh, find these two very powerful compounds. And for years, we've been helping many, many organizations figure out what are the right combinations. But if you go online, you'll find it um, uh, at Cytosolve. And if you send John an email, um, we'll send it to you. I don't want to use this form to plug any of the you know, products we've created to be inappropriate. But if you send John an email, uh, we'll share that with you. Sherry is asking, are probiotics necessary in alleviating microbiome issues? Yeah, so what's happened over the last, remember, going back to the essence of immune health and longevity, um, the gut microbiome is very, very important to health. So recently, people have started producing these probiotic capsules. One of the best ways that you can support your gut microbiome, look at a little bit of your ethnic background and look back at <clears throat> what your uh, typical, I mean, you can, there's many things. So, you know, Koreans use kimchi. Indians typically use pickles or yogurt after every meal. Germans use sauerkraut. Some cultures drank a little bit of fermented um, honey or drink. So um, sake, for example, in the Japanese culture. So I suggest you look at fermented drinks. We're not talking about drinking shots of alcohol, okay? We're talking about fermented drinks or fermented foods and start incorporating them because they're a much more bioavailable way of getting these foods into your diet. In India, for example, after every meal, you always have yogurt. Most of the grains are fermented. You know, <clears throat> the carnivores will say, don't eat grains, don't eat grains. Well, many of these people are promoting the carnivore diet, it's, which is, by the way, not a bad diet, but they don't know for thousands of years people have been eating grains. Well, how do they do it? They didn't all die. They live quite healthy. They did one important process. Many of these cultures who are vegetarian cultures always fermented their grains. In India, there's a dish some of us had after our event uh, called an idli. An idli is where you take the um, rice and you take a very interesting dal, a bean, and you ferment it for three days until it bubbles. And then you lightly steam it. You make it into a flour and you steam it. So it's probably one of the most healthiest things. People have no digestive issues when they take that. It supports, it's a good food, but it's a fermented grain that is then steamed. So you are slow cooking, you're preserving all the nutrients. So I would um, uh, really encourage people to look into fermented foods. Food is medicine. So look into fermented foods. Uh, Bernardo is asking, what is the first thing you're gonna do when you become president? Well, the first thing we're going to do, Bernardo, is make sure this lecture and this talk goes to every household on the planet. You know, not only the United States, but everywhere. People need to 
Um, you know, I, I like what Hippocrates said, he who is not his own doctor is a fool. That's a policy we need to take. So the first thing we need to do is to start teaching people how their body is a system and how you need to take care of your body as a system. We really need to go to the program where we need to really train everyone to really want to be their own doctors. Now, as a part of the healthcare system, you know, one of the executive orders I'd pass is to eliminate the need in the United States for people to go to college to get a college degree before they can go into medicine. You should be able to go right from high school all the way to medical school. Now, why do I say that? Because most medical doctors have such a debt burden and loans that's why they get involved in this, all this racketeering and supporting the system because they're really not independent. So we need to eliminate that process. The other thing we need to do is we need to make it illegal for GPOs and PBMs to exist. There are two organizations in the United States called group purchasing organizations, which control all the supply into hospitals and pharmacy broker managers who control every drug that comes there. And these organizations are controlling the price. And I mean, uh, couple of years ago, a friend of mine had a, a lung issue. And in order to get this lung drug in the United States, it was like 50 bucks. You could order the same drug for India for 12 cents. It's not, it's literally the cost of healthcare is inflated by these two organizations called GPOs and PBMs. Look them up. None of these politicians for the last 50, 60 years will talk about them. It was our campaign which started talking about it broadly, you know, starting four years ago. So think about that. So all of those two organizations need to actually be made illegal. So you will right away lower the cost of healthcare right there, then and there. We also need to make it more easier when a doctor comes out of medical school that they're not burdened with debt, that they can literally do their job as healers, not be data entry operators. That's what they've become. Doctors are data entry operators. The other thing we should do is no medical school, which is getting government funding, should be able to get any government funding until a doctor who's going there actually gets training in nutrition. Most doctors don't get any training in nutrition. There you go. That's what I would do within first day. Um, Ski Lord on YouTube is asking, is there a way to detox the body of the jab? Well, let's talk about... Uh, when you say detox, okay? Um, first of all, one needs to recognize that detoxing is a, so a lot of people do these detoxification diets where they say, okay, I'm going to cleanse my body. I'm going to cleanse my body. Let me just make it very clear. A very good teacher of mine, Paul Pitchford, many, many years ago, and I was taking a class with him almost 30 years ago, we were in a big barn and he was talking about Chinese medicine. He goes, you know, you got to be very careful with detoxing. And he gave a very, very interesting analogy. He said, see this barn here? It took, you know, a year to build this barn. But with this little match, I could burn this whole bar down, barn down. What did he mean by that? If you have a body and it has a certain structural makeup and you start doing these deep, deep cleanses, which some people do, you'll notice a lot of people start doing cleanses and they overdo it. They start looking very weak and haggard. So if you're going to do cleansing of any kind to quote unquote detox your body, recognize that you have to do it carefully and there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Ideally, you do it in a way that you're supporting your liver and your gallbladder. In most 
cultures, the liver and the gallbladder, if you take the course that I built at truthfreedomhealth.com, you'll find out that the liver and the gallbladder are part of what's called a conversion system, which is the digestive part. If you get your liver and gallbladder working right, your body knows how to automatically clear itself. Most drugs, when pharmaceutical companies develop a drug, one of the things that they calculate is something called a clearance rate, okay? If you take like, you know, I don't know, what's, what's aspirin or Tylenol or ibuprofen, you know, you get some pain and you take those drugs. You know, there's a reason they say take 200 milligrams or 400 milligrams and it lasts so much time because after a certain point, that stuff is getting cleared out of your, um, your liver clearance. That's called a clearance rate. So when your liver is functioning well, your body will clear these things. And you can do research on things that support liver functioning. Give you a couple of hints, okay? Liver itself is good for liver. Dandelion root, go check dandelion out. And you'll find out there are certain substances which support the liver. Milk thistle, another silly marin it's called. Very, very valuable for the liver. But think about the liver as your master engine for metabolism detoxification. Take foods that support liver health and your body will do the rest. But always be kind to your body. Be very, very careful of doing harsh detoxes because you're going to cause other problems. Right. Um, Noel is asking, do you believe in chiropractic care? Yeah, so what is chiropractic care? Chiropractic care comes from an understanding of seeing the structural integrity of your body. And Noel, as you know, if you've taken the Truth, Freedom, and Health or the the systems, foundations of systems course I developed. Um, there are three, there are nine principles. Three of those nine principles are transport, conversion, and storage. And everyone can learn this, by the way, from an engineering system science. It's a structural part of you. Your bones are one part of the structural part of you, but there's also the fascia and this muscular system. The problem I have with just going and getting cracked is that if you have postural issues, if you have myofascial issues, that's not going to help because many times they reset the bone, but the other parts of your structure, the fascia, are off. One of the biggest benefits that I see are chiropractors who learn a technique, uh, who learn the myofascial techniques, and a number of them call active release therapy. So before they do cracking, they will also do what some of the sports medicine guys do called pin and stretch, where they're literally lengthening the fascia or, or, um, or you know, uh, strengthening it, but essentially making that stretch. And then they'll finish up with the cracking. And those are the more modern chiropractors who know how to do that. So that's one of the things I really recommend people looking at, the fascia combined with structural reintegration. And by the way, and, and those techniques, the immune system, you have to recognize, is connected to the structural framework, too. It's not independent of that. Every cell of your body down to the individual cell is something called the cytoskeleton, which I studied for many years as part of my PhD work. The cytoskeleton pervades your entire body. Your cell has its own skeletal structure, just like your body, as above, so below. And so when you really do the myofascial work and the stretching, um, it's very, very valuable. Hydration is key to this. It's very, very important to keep your body hydrated. You saw I started coughing because I didn't get enough hydration. 
but hydration is critical to supporting your muscle and your uh, structural framework. Linda asks, does Dr. Jiva, does Dr. Shiva have any insights regarding glaucoma? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the so there's a number of things you can look at. You know, particularly vitamin A related to glaucoma. The other piece is many of the in traditional systems of like Chinese medicine, they connected one system to another. Something you may want to explore, but I can. I haven't done a lot of work in looking at glaucoma. Something It's an area that I'm, I, I would very much like to look at. But one of the things with eyes um, is it's important to understand that in certain systems of medicine, eye and liver are connected, ear and kidney are connected, right? So systems are connected. So I recommend you, one looks at that um, in terms of these two subsystems, liver and, for example, eye health. Um, Shirley is asking what helps heal IBS or I guess irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah. So it's a longer question. I don't want to offer, you know, medical advice here, but what I can tell you is that many of the issues with IBS have to do with the gut brain axis. Um, we just finished a whole body of research. John, just make a note of, we could do, uh, we just mapped out the entire gut brain, um, axis and we mapped out all those molecular pathways. And one whole thing there, uh, Shelly, is on IBS. Um, one of the areas that people want to look at is the diets that people are doing and what and, and the acidity um, in people's guts and the nature of the microbiome that's there. So I don't want to go into the details because it's a larger question, but maybe the next six weeks we could do a whole series, John, on gut and brain health because it's they're very very critical. Arash is asking is there any harm in drinking distilled water as your main hydration source? So think about um, Arash with distilled waters. Let me just uh, go to a very interesting point. Um, you know m much of the water um, when farming started taking place was done through irrigation. Prior to that when we got rainwater we used to have something called MSM. MSM is sulfur compounds which is very very healthy and we're depleted of MSM. Now, one of the problems, if you take distilled water, remember what happens is from the second law of thermodynamics, um, because of diffusion, uh, if you take distilled water, you have, to be, you have to recognize that the distilled water will also leach minerals out of your body. What's emerging from a number of very, very interesting research is to take highly mineralized water. There are, and this is some research we're just starting to do, one of the best sources of minerals, believe it or not, is seawater, okay? And the issue is then where do you, or salt, salts. And by the way, salt is not sodium chloride. That's just one salt. There are certain very powerful salts which have a whole range of minerals. I would argue that getting those kinds of salts, and if you want to use distilled water, combining it, and consuming that can be very, very valuable for hydration. Some people may want to use distilled water during a certain period of time. Maybe they want to leach out certain negative minerals, but it's not something you can build your body on just by drinking distilled water. You're going to leach out minerals out of your body. 
Sherry is asking uh, your views on how to negotiate psychiatric issues. Huh. Um, I'm not an expert at that, so I'm going to have to sort of defer that, but it's a good question. And I think if you're asking um, uh, psychiatric issues with a psychiatrist, um, remember there's psychologists and there's psychiatrists. Psychiatrists typically uh, are the ones who are also MDs. What I can tell you is many, many years ago, you know, right down the street here, um, we're down the street from one of the leading, quote unquote, leading psychiatric hospitals in the world known as McLean's Hospital. There were a husband and wife team there out of Harvard Medical School, and they said they had had it with the amount of drugs people were being given. And they had moved to starting to look at some very, very traditional herbs. One of the herbs they looked at was rhodiola. Um, and we started doing some very interesting research on that. There are certain herbs which really modulate the, you know, the, um, the brain and, and activity, but there's a whole number of uh, nutrients and minerals and vitamins that can support the brain. But um, if that's what you're asking about, we can have that conversation. Um, but I'm not an expert in knowing how to, uh, if someone is having issues with their psychiatrist or psychiatric issues, I, I would really not want to comment on that. Um, Take one more, John. All right. Um, Noel is asking, uh, in your research on, on SIDS, was there any link between uh, SIDS and childhood immunizations? Yeah, no, at the time we did this, we were essentially trying to understand the onset of the apnea and the sleep cycle. Now, what it does turn out is there was a more prevalent of SIDS um, among low-income groups. And this brings me really back to that chart that I shared with you. And it's a good, it's a good point to close on, is that there is a deep correlation between income inequality and really the foundational issues of many of these health issues. And one wing of the establishment claims that they want to talk about income inequality, but they never saw, solve it. And the other wing actually supports income inequality. Okay. But if you look at about several months ago, we did a whole seminar on gun violence. And all the research, when you trace it, everything to one important connective tissue that no one wants to talk about is that it is not about the access to guns. It's not the, the right wing says, well, you know, it's people have mental issues and they're taking drugs. Well, that's really not true. Or they're playing too many video games, it's really not true. The key indicator for most of the gun violence, if not all of them, has to do with income inequality. It's people are growing up in these very, very uh, income inequality worlds and people are coming to a stress point in their lives. And that is a common denominator that no one wants to talk about. And that's why when you go back to that graph, we can never, no longer be electing any of these people because they do not want to address the fact that the life expectancy rate over the last 60 years is going down in the United States because that will implicate all of them and they'll have to deal with this very tangible issue that 90% of this is being caused because of the incredible stress that working people are on. Working people, everyday people are under so much stress, monetary stress, physical stress, mental stress, and most of that is coming from in income inequality issues. 
And during the pandemic, we created the highest more income inequality. People like Elon Musk boosted his value by hundreds of billions of dollars. We created trillionaires, billionaires to quote unquote trillionaires during the period of the pandemic. During the period of 1970 till today, $47 trillion in wealth got transferred from hardworking people upward to the elites. So obviously there's a direct connection between income inequality and biological problems, okay? And no one wants to talk about that, but we will. And all of these people, the left and the right, do not want to solve these issues. Creating gated communities, creating disarming police, or thinking just everyone walking around with a gun is going to solve this. It isn't. We have to address the income inequality issue. And it ain't going to come from the left because most people on the politicians on the left do not work for a living. They don't understand the plight of working people. And the guys on the right work with the left to maintain what Wall Street's interests are. It is only a bottoms up movement that will address this issue, you know, right on point. And it is that bottoms up movement that we represent. We are not Trump's. We're not Kennedy's. We're not AOC's. We're not Reagan's. We're not, you know, any of these people. We're not celebrities. We're bottoms up people. And for the first time in American history, in recent American history, you have someone standing in front of you who is fortunate to get all this education, who comes from the working class and who's never forgotten where he came from. So it's really up to all of you listening tonight to recognize that it's up to you. We have to build this movement and you have a huge responsibility, especially after you know, coming to this three hour talk. The payment that you can make for this talk, not as in money, but through your action, of going to Shiva for president, signing up to be a volunteer, and becoming a leader and understanding the principles of truth, freedom, health. That's your job tonight. And if you do that and we, and we mobilize a movement, you know, over the next 90, 180 days in every part of the United States, we need at least two leaders in every state in the United States. So right now, go to shivaforpresident.com, sign up as a volunteer. If you wanna donate money, great. Whatever you can give, great. That's secondary to me. The bottom line is we need to mobilize a bottoms up movement. If you can't volunteer and you have a ton of money, give us a ton of money. Okay, we'll take that too. But more important is your labor. And we have set up an entire leadership program so you can learn the science of systems. You can think beyond left and right. We've created the entire infrastructure. So it's really up to all of you. Get off your butts and we need to go like bulldogs at this problem. But let me just finish again by sharing that screen so no one forgets this very important graph that I shared with you, okay? This is a reality where we're at in the United States. And this started in 1980, look right there. And this is where we're headed. It's not the pandemic that causes, this is a long systemic problem. It's systems collapse. So do you want more theater because if you want more theater, this line is going to keep going, getting worse and worse and worse. It's going to the next phase of this theater is to integrate central digital currencies, is to do climate tax, climate scam, which Kennedy supports. Okay, and that's where we're headed. We're headed to a world of further enslave, enslavement of working people, further stress, and maybe that's what they want. In fact, not only maybe that is what they want. It is by design. 
All of these people have got to go, every single one of them, all of them. They've had their chance, time to get the hell out of our way. And that's the way we have to deal with this. All right, everyone, thank you. Go to shivaforpresident.com, volunteer in your state. We, we're gonna have to get on the ballot in every state. They're gonna try to stop us. They stole our election here in Massachusetts. But guess what? We're the ones who got all the word out in spite of all the mainstream media trying to make us invisible. And this time they're gonna have a serious problem on their hands because we're here, we exist, and we're gonna escalate this movement. But all of these other fools have to get the hell out of the way. And if you see the next time someone supporting Trump, please bring up to them that he brought the swamp in. The next time people support this fool Kennedy, please bring up to them, he wants full vaccination of all people. Please bring up to them his brain is fried. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Please bring up to them that he endorsed Hillary Clinton, not once, not twice, but three times. Please bring up to them that right here in Massachusetts, he came and raised money for his nephew, who's for pro-vaccine mandates. This guy's a fool, okay? Enough of these fools, get rid of them. You deserve someone like me, you really do. But it's really up to you. And you won't get an opportunity again in your life, but do it for your kids, do it for your families, it's time to fight. Thank you. You never played the video, did you, John? Hold on, hold on. It's supposed to be. Um, so before we end, John's going to play the video, right, John? Yes, I'm trying to right now. Okay. So everyone, you got a homework assignment. You know, we got a good group of people who joined us on Zoom, but please go to Shiva for President, donate or volunteer, and tell us what your state is so you can become a leader in that state. And we have a full leadership training program for all of you. Stream your salon, John? running for president of the United States of America. I was born a low caste untouchable in India's caste system, a system of aristocracy, oppression, and racism. My name is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I'm an MIT PhD, a Fulbright scholar, a scientist, engineer, entrepreneur, and inventor. My family and I left India to come to America on my seventh birthday. I grew up in the working class neighborhoods of New Jersey, playing baseball, mowing lawns, painting houses, and coding software. My friends and neighbors are Blacks, Italians, Irish, people of all races. As a 14-year-old, I wrote 50,000 lines of software code to create the world's first email system and was awarded the first U.S. copyright for email, recognizing me as its official inventor at a time when copyright was the only way to protect software inventions. I did that long before I ever came to MIT, revealing that big innovations can occur anytime, anyplace, by anybody. Growing up, I saw politicians dividing us by race and religion in both America and India to have us fighting each other while they remain safe in their gated communities and in their playgrounds of Hollywood, Martha's Vineyard and Silicon Valley. I'm a fighter. I fought racism and exposed their imperialist wars, fought for workers and put my life on the line against global corruption. I never wanted to run for political office. All that changed when I saw working Americans as never before being duped by the establishment and the not so obvious establishment across left and right. We were being sold out and made to forget why we came to America and why America existed. Lawyers, academics, billionaires, celebrities and politicians, elites, Clintons, Kennedys, Bidens, Obamas, Bushes, black and white have hijacked America. They printed trillions for their friends. They delivered crumbling infrastructure, corruption and racism. They transferred trillions to themselves, dividing black and white, fear mongering and fake science, lockdowns and censorship, dirty air, food and water, pushing drugs upon us, making us sicker. We've been sold out, one set of rules for them and another for us. 
We deserve a warrior with a history of courage and putting everything on the line for you, who believes in you, not them, who has created a movement bottoms up for truth, freedom, health. I've exposed their lies at the right time, never waiting until it was popular. I've exposed their false gods who exist to lead you back to them. I've exposed their fake science of lockdowns and masking and provided you solutions to fight them and win and protect your immune system, saving millions. I exposed Fauci, galvanized the fire Fauci campaign when others remain silent. When they stole our election, we sued the government and Twitter in our historic 2020 federal lawsuit, exposing in bare view the government and big tech censorship infrastructure, the unholy alliance between government and social media companies. Where was Elon and his grifters? They stood by the sidelines and did nothing. They did not use their megaphones to help us when it could have made a big difference. Now our movement grows for truth, freedom, health, independent of all of them. Every day, millions are learning the science of systems, the knowledge the elites do not want you to have. So you may learn how to think, stand up and fight, independent of the establishment of left and right and their fake heroes. Now it's time for you to join the movement to win back America, to win back truth, win back freedom, win back your health. That's why I'm running for president of the United States. This race is about you. This race is about truth, freedom, health versus power, profit, control. We've had enough. They think we'll fall in line and vote again for their lawyers, celebrities, billionaires, and chosen ones from above. We choose our heroes from below, from the rank and file who do what is right at the right time, not when it's convenient and popular. They can never represent us. What America needs is a movement by the working people for the working people who are educated, organized, decentralized, and fight for independence from their systems of control. And that movement exists. It's ready for you. We don't need them. We need us to go bottoms up, neighbor to neighbor. My journey, your journey are all the same. It's our time. It's time we had one of us. It's time to win back truth, freedom, health, to win back America, be part of this historic movement all the way to our victory on November 5th, 2024. If you're an American citizen, pledge your vote now for Dr. Shivaya Duray, the independent candidate for U.S. president. No matter where you live, you can be a part of this. Volunteer as little as 20 minutes a day. Don't delay. This is Dr. Shiva Iadure, and I approve this message paid for by Dr. Shiva for president. All right, everyone, this is what we call a town hall. You've probably never seen a town hall like this ever, but this is what the difference is. You learn something tonight. You learn how to strengthen your immune system. You learn science, and you're hopefully leaving here today with some very practical knowledge. This video we will produce and we'll put up on the site so you can share it with everyone. Next week, same time, we're going to be talking about how you can eat locally grown food, clean food that's healthy for you and how you can do it on a budget. That's our environment platform, period. Okay, that's it. So this campaign from here all the way until our victory in 2024 is going to be about you learning stuff and you if you learn this stuff tonight, you have a big responsibility. Volunteer for the campaign so you can get the flyers, which will be up online, and you can download them and go invite your friends door to door. This is going to be door to door. Social media, as we all know, is completely censored. They shadow ban the hell out of me. We got to go direct. Elon Musk doesn't give a damn about you. The Kennedys don't give a damn about you. The Trumps don't give a damn about you. The Bidens don't give a damn about you. And all of these people don't give a damn about you. The only person who gives a damn about you, frankly, is me and your neighbors. And we have to mobilize people to fight. And that's what this is about. Stop voting for them. Get organized. Thank you, Dr. Shiva, for Senate. Remember, service is citizenship.
Start serving your community, start serving yourself, and stop outsourcing your future to these scumbags. Thank you.